Well, good morning, church. Made it through Christmas 2018, did you? Everybody okay? Let's not do that for another year, okay? I'm tired. Okay, how's everybody doing, all right? All right, so this weekend, after the Noel, or how to be a star. So if you can uh, take your copy of the scriptures, wherever you um, happen to have that, and turn to Philippians 2, 1 through 18, we're going to read the passage that Pastor Errol has been kind of walking us through these past few weeks. So Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and we're going to read through this. So when you find that, uh, grab your phone, grab your Bible, let's um, stand, and we're going to join together and listen to the reading of the Word of God as we uh, check out this passage that we've been... um, just camping in for a while. Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. Verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above Every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. So stay standing. You can put down your phone or your Bible because you're going to need your hands free. And I was so excited. Yeah, you are. People are giggling. You're going to need hands free, hands free. Uh, I was so excited when Pastor Errol asked me to teach this weekend. This is one of my favorite passages. This is kind of the center of where we're going to be uh, landing 
this morning, and I'm going to teach it to you. We haven't done this in a long time. About 16, 17 years ago, I taught this passage to campers at Gull Lake Bible Conference, where I was the programming director. So we're going to learn it together, and hopefully this will help you remind it. So it goes like this. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Ready? Do everything without complaining. Hey, you guys are the best service so far. Some people in the service are like, do everything. No, uh-uh. I didn't allow it 17 years ago. I'm not going to allow it today. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. A little halo right up there, okay? So that you may become blameless and and, and smile and act all cute, all right? From the beginning, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And then you're going to go, children of God without fault. Okay, right? Ready? So, children of God without fault. Ready from the beginning? Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault, and then you're going to fold in on yourself in a crooked and depraved generation. (laughs) If you almost fall, you're doing it right. Ready? In a crooked and depraved generation. Yeah. Crinkle your nose, gnaw your teeth, and spit. That's okay. All right, from the beginning, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. You're scaring me. Stop it. Okay. And then from here, you're going to go, in which you shine like stars in the universe. Okay? From the beginning, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the... Oh, you kids are doing great. Okay. Have a seat. Have a seat. Good job. All right. Wow, that was like A-plus work. All right, an atheist, an atheist who saw stars. In early 2018, Jonathan Hyde, professor, and social, professor of social psychology at New York University's Stern School of Business, uh, Jonathan is ethnically Jewish, politically left-leaning, and religiously an atheist. Jonathan stood on the main stage of the Council for Christian Colleges and University Conference. Okay, the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities Conference. And this is what Jonathan Hyde said. I was born to be the sort of person who was opposed to your mission. Within two years of my bar mitzvah, I started calling myself an atheist. And not just an atheist, but one of those atheists that sees religion Christianity especially as the opponent, as the enemy, because they believe creationism, and we scientists believe in evolution. Professor Hyde went on to say that several things changed his mind. Not to convert to Christianity, he still is an atheist, but to drop his hostility toward it. I got my first teaching position at the University of Virginia, he said. I had never met evangelical Christians growing up in New York and going to Ivy League schools. We must have met each other in the hallways when I was at the Ivy League school, I guess. Of course, they were there, 
but they weren't as out as they were at the University of Virginia. This is what Professor Hyde had to say about the Christian students that he came into contact with. He said, they radiated a kind of sweetness, a kind of warmth and gentleness and humility that I hadn't seen before. It was really lovely. He said he saw the same warmth and openness and love from evangelical churches that he visited as part of a class on moral communities. He said it was really beautiful and it touched my heart. And then he said this, and when your heart is open, then your mind is open. As one who studies morality, Professor Hyde was also impressed with the Bible, saying, among the richest repositories of psychological wisdom ever assembled. We'll take that. And regarding the actions of Christians, he said this, religious conservative Americans are more generous with their time and money than secular Americans. He said, I started realizing that the scientific community at that time was really underestimating and misunderstanding religion. Isn't that incredible? It's comments coming from an atheist professor. I want to be one of those stars that shine for Christ in such a way that perhaps God would be pleased to reach someone who's very far from me in terms of my faith or my worldview. We've been talking about being the Noel these past few weeks uh, during Christmas, talking about making our life a song that brings peace and goodwill to all. And in the passage that we read, Paul is encouraging believers to be like Christ. Put others before yourself. Value others more than you value yourself. Put the interest of others before your own interests. And I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, kind of my initial response is something like this. Yeah, wow, Paul, mm, other-centeredness. Yeah, that's, ah, it's good, that's great. Just, you know, so other interests be, before, yeah. You know, tell you what, Paul, let's do this. Let's put that in a Hallmark card. We did that with 1 Corinthians 13. It's been awesome. We'll get a picture of a mountain or a river or a sunset, put all that other-centered stuff inside the card, and then charge people $8.99 a card. We'll make a killing. It just doesn't, like, square with me naturally to be other-centered. And we hear Paul say those words, and Paul helps us then to understand what he's talking about when he writes that beautiful description of the humility and the love of Jesus. And we're going to pick it up now in verse 12 as we finish out some of the verses in this chapter. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Paul is asking us to take all that he's trying to teach us in that description of Christ's humility and is asking us to adopt the mindset and the attitude of Jesus over the course of our Christian lives and implement that kind of thinking and that kind of mindset, that kind of attitude as we relate to others, our spouse, 
our children, our co-workers, our neighbors. We're called to work out the salvation that we claim to have in Jesus. And there's a tension in this verse. Work out your salvation. And then Paul turns around and says, it is God who works in you. And so we have briefly just a few moments to kind of help uh, get help from Dallas Willard. He says this, but it is crucial to realize that grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. You get that? It is crucial to realize grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. Without effort, we would be nowhere. When you read the New Testament, you see how astonishingly energetic it is. Paul says, take off the old man, put on the new. There is no suggesting that this will be done for you. And then I have uh, James 4 and 2 Peter 1, just two passages that kind of speak to this idea of there is work for us to do as believers. We see this all over the New Testament, particularly in Paul's writings. He uses words like put on or clothe yourselves. So in Colossians, he says, clothe yourselves, get dressed in tenderheartedness, in mercy, in kindness. He says, clothe yourselves with love, put on love. In the book of Romans, Paul says, clothe yourselves, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers wrote this, with focused attention and great care, you have to work out what God works in. Agreed? What does that look like? Fair question. Paul tells us, do everything without complaining or arguing. Paul. Really? When you say everything, wouldn't it be great if Paul said, do some things without complaining or arguing? And I tell you what, you can decide. That would have been great. Or what if he said this, do everything without complaining or arguing, except, and then he gives us like, I don't know, seven things or four things on a list. And then we know, okay, checkbox, checkbox, I did it. Yay, yay me, obeying the scriptures. Or wouldn't it be great if Paul said this, do complain, do argue, especially when you decide that someone says or does something to you that you find totally offensive, which of course basically makes it open season on getting your revenge or holding a grudge or expressing outrage on social media or otherwise doing whatever you feel you need to do to respond, translation, totally destroy your opponent. (laughs) Those who shine like stars, those who capture the imagination of atheistic professors are those who are choosing to work out what they claim that God has worked inside of them. And they do that in their relationships, other-centered putting others' interests before their own. When we do this, there is great impact, not only around us, within us. He goes on to say, so that you may become blameless and pure. I believe that our struggle with sin and our ability to demonstrate the love of Jesus in our character is directly tied to our choice to do everything without complaining or arguing. When we do that, something transformative happens here inside of us. We have a greater capacity to be integrated, 
to be sincerely devoted to God, to exhibit in our character an increasing purity of motive and action that's different from the world. And I think the opposite is true. Have you ever tried to be joyful and glad and other-centered while you're complaining or arguing? I mean, I hope no one in this room would say, I complained and argued the entire day away. And you know what? It felt great. And other people loved it too. We wouldn't say that. So here's the challenge. Go 24 hours without complaining or arguing. 24 hours. Some of you are like, 24 hours? Okay, set a timer. Two minutes. Go two minutes without complaining or arguing. And go. You know, we can get so accustomed to our complaining and argumentative attitude that we don't even realize that we ourselves are suffering physically and spiritually from our attempts to set everyone straight, to get back at that person that so wronged us. Paul wants us to be different. In a generation that seems to be addicted to being offended or argumentative over fill in the blank. Paul wants us to be different in a generation that has forgotten to honor the imago dei that every person on the planet bears as a person created by God. God, uh, Paul wants us to be different in a generation that applauds when someone is marginalized, silenced, or totally destroyed just because they have an opposing idea or perspective. Paul wants us to be different in a generation that can be so committed to a cause or a movement that the value of a person is now secondary, especially if that person gets in the way of my cause or my movement. We are to shine like stars. How do you be a star? I'm glad you asked. Know that you have responsibility. Be unoffendable. Have the mindset of Christ. So let's look at this first one. Now follow this carefully. Know that you have responsibility. That is, you have the ability to choose your response. A response ability. We all have this because we're human, okay? Now, this was revolutionary for me, okay? I, my default position was to assume that because someone did that or someone said this or I was in this circumstance that now my emotions and my response are not in my control. They are controlling that. By the way, we talk about this in Reengage in the context of marriage. Did you know that Reengage starts next week on January 8th at 6.30 to 8.30 for 17 weeks? It's a great... I have to encourage you to come. We have a great time, a fantastic time talking and learning together, going over issues like this in the context of marriage. Uh, let me know if you want to have uh, more information about that. Where was I? Okay, this is revolutionary for me. My default position is to assume that, I, that I, I've lost control. Okay, so if this steering wheel is governing my emotions and my response, okay, what I often do is say, okay, here, take the wheel. Okay. And I assume that now I'm unable to do anything except kind of respond to what this person is doing to me or what the situation is doing to me. When does that happen? How about the drive-thru at the fast food joint? It usually happens right away because that little speaker is set to um, like tornado warning volume. So you, you pull up, hey, take your order. I'd like some cotton. My ears are bleeding, please. You know, and, and so slowly but surely, like I begin losing it. 
and you know, this person now, I'm assuming, is totally against me and just wants to mess up my day, and I can't believe it. So I go, here, take the wheel of my emotions. I'd like a burger and some fries. Silence. <laughs> Hello? I'm sorry, I was finishing another order. Okay, I'd like a burger and some fries. You want to drink with that? Sure, I'll have some water. Okay, so let me summarize. You want some chicken, fries, and water? No, I want a burger and some fries. I've actually asked Ruth, am I speaking Russian suddenly? Is that what's happening right now? Because we're not, and I'm, I'm going crazy. You know, you pay for it, you get home, I'm reaching the bag. The burger's not even in the bag. And I'm just like getting all upset and giving myself, you know, this craziness because I've now taken the steering wheel of my emotions and I've given it over to that circumstance or situation. How about on the highway? Okay, this has happened, right? It may not happen to you. It happens to me, driving along, and I see in my rearview mirror that cool sports car going really, really fast, weaving in and out of lanes. And I'm like, that idiot. He's going to kill someone. I can't believe so Who would drive like that? And then he cuts me off. And now I'm using beautiful words to describe what's going on in my experience right now. And I'm totally, you know, I don't know this person. I've totally taken the, the steering of my emotions. I'm all upset. I'm freaking out. You know, now, you know, if I'm weaving in and out of lanes on the highway going really, really fast, I don't want to be late to go see my grandkids. So I'm okay, see? When I'm that guy that I'm now really mad at, I'm perfectly justified in doing what I'm doing. See how that works? Now, this has wreaked havoc in my marriage, okay? Because I, I have this gift. I can read minds. <laughs> so Ruth might say something or not do something or whatever, and I now assign a motive to the deepest place in her heart because it's a gift I have. And so now I know that she's against me. I know that she's doing that just to harm me, you know? And now you're saying, how insecure are you, Carlos? And my response to that is, are you good with spreadsheets? Because we have a lot to talk about. So she is, she's like, I, I deem that she's doing this just to get at me. And now I've totally lost the control of my emotions, okay, of my response, and I've turned that wheel over to her. And now I'm blaming her for my response. I'm irritable, I'm snarky, I'm unkind, I'm grumpy, and it's her fault, okay? So that's how it works. My default position tends to be, I'm just going to turn over the steering wheel of my emotions to this person or circumstance, and no, it does not work that way. We have a responsibility. Ruth didn't make me feel that way. That crazy person on the highway didn't make me feel that way. That annoying Facebook post did not make me feel that way. I have chosen a response. Okay, it was my choice. That is incredibly hard to admit. And it's even harder to practice thinking that way in that reality. And the scriptures are not going to let us off the hook. This is just three. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. A person who learns to choose patience can bring peace in the midst of conflict. A person who learns to choose to be mindful of their tone, the tone of their voice, the attitude of their voice, who practices choosing to respond with a gentle word will avert confrontation. Our ability to choose to listen way more than we speak, or in our contemporary culture, to, to post way less, you know. 
If we do that, suddenly we are exhibiting the light and the love of Christ. And the scriptures don't let us off the hook. It is asking us to do the work. Now this choosing uh, to respond muscle, we just don't exercise it enough, but we need to choose to, to exercise it more to do that. Okay, how to be a star? Be unoffendable. Unoffendable is a book by Brant Hansen. I highly encourage you to get this book. On Audible, it's a lot of fun. He's a radio announcer, and he narrates his own book. And he's funny, and it's a great, great book. Here's one quote. We should forfeit our right to be offended. That means forfeiting our right to hold on to anger. We should be the most refreshingly unoffendable people on a planet that seems to spin on an axis of offense. Forfeiting our right to anger makes us deny ourselves and makes us other-centered. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what good is it if you take offense at a Facebook post or someone's response to your post and you choose to respond in anger and seek to win the argument and crush that person who's obviously ignorant and uninformed? It's a part of your soul that's lost when you do that. Or what good is it if you take offense at how someone treated you or what someone said to you and you begin to nurture that hate, that resentment for a few hours, for a few days, a few weeks, years go by, and you don't even acknowledge that person exists, even if that person's in the same room. And all the while, you are blaming that person for the relational choices that you are making. There's a part of your soul that is gone when you choose to do that. Be unoffendable. Here's another quote. Grace isn't for the deserving. Forgiving means surrendering your claim to resentment and letting go of anger. Anger is extraordinarily easy. It's our default setting. Love is very difficult. Love is a miracle. I spoke to a counselor about this issue of anger and the counselor said this, anger is a safe emotion. It's much easier to say I'm angry or to act angry than to humbly and quietly surface or verbalize the pain or hurt that I'm actually feeling. It's harder to quietly and honestly say I feel inadequate, I feel hopeless, I'm wounded. It's harder to say those things because now I have to risk being vulnerable. If I'm honest and quietly share those things, what's going to happen now? It's way easier to choose to blame someone else for how I feel and lash out in anger and hope beyond hope that that'll deal with what I'm feeling. The counselor said anger protects us in a primitive way. And then the counselor says this, and serves the purpose of putting up walls. It's hard to shine when there's walls around us. And then the counselor said this, and people have a lot of walls. I was speaking to my son, Chris, uh, about um, this topic, and he said he heard someone say, when we put up walls, we don't realize this, we're also putting up a ceiling. 
now our ability to connect with God is hampered. Okay, because we're just so... The world is so much brighter. It's so much brighter when we see the theology of the cross and the suffering of Jesus lived out in real time. So how about Facebook posts like this? I'm walking into 2019 with a clear heart and mind. If you owe me, don't worry about it. You're welcome. If you wronged me, it's all good. I have a big and forgiving heart and a great lesson learned. If you're angry with me, you've won. If we aren't speaking, it's cool. I wish you well, and I want you to be happy. If you feel I wronged you, and you've told everyone but me, peace be unto you. Life is too short for me to have pent-up anger, anxiety, stress, and holding grudges. I'm becoming a better person than that. Here's to 2019. Be positive and forgiving. Theologian Eric Mendick. He went to re-engage with his wife. Uh, Eric posted that, and he said it was a repost, and he reworded it and kind of changed it to fit where his heart and his perspective is as he's looking at 2019. And I think Eric is going to shine for Christ. He's going to shine. How to be a star? Have the mindset of Christ. Listen carefully to this quote. While I lay in that quiet front bedroom with a distant street lamp throwing a reassuring glow through the curtain window, I began to think of the viciousness of people who would bomb my home. I could feel the anger rising when I realized that my wife and baby could have been killed. I thought about the city commissioners and all the statements that they had made about me and the Negro generally. I was once more on the verge of corroding hatred. And once more, I caught myself and said, you must not allow yourself to become bitter. Martin Luther King, Jr., Find it on a little hill, and on that tree hangs the most influential character that ever came in this world. Never feel that that tree is a meaningless drama that took place on the stage of history. Oh no, it is a telescope through which we look out into the long distance of eternity. See the love of God breaking forth into time. It is an eternal reminder to a power from generations that love is on the way. It is an eternal reminder to a generation depending on nuclear and atomic energy, a generation depending on physical violence, that love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe. So this morning, as I look into the eyes, and into the eyes of all my brothers in Alabama and all over America and over the world, I say to you, I love you. I would rather die than hate you. And I'm foolish enough to believe that you're the power of love somewhere. Many of the most recalcitrant men can be transformed. And then we will be in God's kingdom. 
we will be able to matriculate into the university of eternal life because we have the power to love our enemies, to bless those persons, to curse us, to even despise the good to those persons who hated us. We even pray for those persons who despitefully used us. Oh God, help us in our lives and in all of our attitudes to work out this controlling force to love and controlling power that we solve every problem that we confront in all areas. Let us join together in a great fellowship of love bow down to the Jesus. Give us this strong determination in the name and spirit of this Christ we pray. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Do you believe that love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe? Do you believe that love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe? Think with me for a moment as we're about to leave 2018 and begin 2019. Is there a person in your life that you are unloving towards? Even if this person is your enemy real or perceived, what should your mindset or attitude be towards this person? Is there a person that you are not forgiving? You have this unforgiving attitude and you have justified, you have all your reasons lined up as to why you will not forgive this person. Let's get together and talk about that. What should your mindset and attitude be towards this person? What about your social media life? Are you fighting for a cause? Are you defending an argument or perspective void of the transforming power of love? And maybe, just maybe, you're missing that you are demonstrating a hard, unloving, I will win at any cost attitude. Do you practice denying yourself? on social media. Church, we do not follow a cause or a movement. We are not put on this earth to win arguments or to put others down or to set them straight. We follow a person, Jesus Christ, who emptied himself, who took the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death on a cross. 
What are we going to choose to do to shine for Jesus in this new year? I am confident that if we choose to shine for him, that we will transform our marriages, our relationships with our children, family members, neighbors, this community, yes, I believe even the world, because we decided to shine for Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that this might be so, that we would take into our hearts the words of Scripture, that God, we would listen deeply to Paul as he points us to Jesus and his humility, his ministry, his suffering and death, And may we be willing to follow him as we give away the love and grace that we claim to have in Christ. And Father, when we choose to do that, help us to shine and help us to do this for the glory of Jesus' name. We pray in his matchless name. Amen. God bless. Happy New Year, and we'll see you next year.